thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Many times in this industry, you have to take some risk or be willing to do something that could help you more in the long run. Our next guest took some early risk in his career, and it worked out as he has now spent almost 25 years in the sports industry. I'm excited to have our next guest, Marty Mulford, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Travis. Happy to be here. Marty, excited to have you and certainly looking forward to all the advice you're going to give. I introed saying you took some risk, hoping being on this podcast certainly isn't one of them. <laughs> but at the time of graduation, you were working at the Sun Sentinel covering high schools, college sports, and also working on the sports desk. And so not sure what would be the best thing to do to get your first position. You sent out over 150 resumes, 150 to every minor league baseball team in the country and got a call and an offer from the Carolina Mudcats. You helped them finish out the 98 season. You were once again at the crossroads. Do you stay in Carolina or do you go to the baseball winter meetings and see what else could be out there? It may get you a little closer to home. So what went into that decision-making process, Marty? Well, you know, I look back on it now and it was a little um, risky, maybe. Um, I didn't think it was all that risky when I left just because I figured, you know, I'll go to the baseball winter meetings. There's all these teams there and I'll be able to find something a little closer to home. Where I was was about nine hours from where I grew up in Georgia. Um, so there was a, there's a, there was, I don't know, three or four teams in Georgia, a couple in Alabama, a couple in uh, Tennessee that might've gotten me a little closer to home. So, you know, I, I don't know. It probably, it, looking back on it, it's not something that I would probably <laughs> tell someone else to do. Honestly, um, it did work out thankfully for me, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I had a great time in Carolina. I was there about four months, met some really good people. Actually, one of them I still keep in touch with now. Um, he's actually still with the Mudcats. Oh, nice. Um, been there, I guess, like 30 years or something. So um, no, it was a great experience for me. And it really, when I went to the winter meetings, even having just that little bit of experience really did help get me some interviews with with some other teams while I was there, which ultimately ended up where, where I ended up going. So now I did have another little bit of a risky move in there too, that maybe you're going to touch on, but. Um, yeah. I'm, well, I remember <laughs> when we've talked in the past, you end up going to those baseball winter meetings, you receive an offer from a minor league team in Savannah, Georgia. However, you have that job lined up 
your first day, you also get the opportunity to go and interview with a minor league hockey team in Pensacola, Florida. So it's like, hey, do I take this job or do I go interview? How nerve wracking was that for you? Yeah, that was another like really hard one. I mean, I tra- Pensacola was really where I wanted to go. Um, I mean, who wouldn't? Right. Yeah. I mean, so, look, so, well, Savannah's Savannah's great, but so, um, you know, but uh, I mean, they were both really good opportunities. Um, I don't know. Just the idea of hockey seemed like fun. Um, living in Pensacola, it was only about three hours from where I grew up, where Savannah was about five. So it was a little bit further uh, away. But yeah, so I had this opportunity that I got with Savannah, um, which I was really, really excited about. And then, of course, Pensacola calls and says, um, you know, we'd love to interview you for the job. Well, the day they needed to interview me was the day I was supposed to start in Savannah. So <laughs> I, I called Pensacola and I said, is there any way I can do this interview at any point before, I mean, I'll drive over there today if I need to, like whatever I need to do. They're like, no, no, our owner's not going to be here until like, you know, whatever the day was. So I had to make a decision. I called Savannah and just told them that I wanted to go interview in Pensacola. And then they, you know, were obviously upset because they had, I mean, this, I'd had this job for like a week, you know, they called everybody and said, Hey, we, we hired someone else. And um, so they were pretty upset, but I, I, I now being a manager that hires people, I, I totally get that. So yeah. it did, it did work out and I did get the Pensacola job. Um, but again, another move that I probably would not tell someone to do, I, I did. And I got, I got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You, you learn and it worked out. And so I guess Marty, what's your advice to the listeners on being willing to take risk and maybe not necessarily to your point, the risk of the hiring end, but taking risk from their, their own career, making outreach to, to future customers and really just getting out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, I, what I talk, tell people when they ask for advice or when I'm talking to them is I, I always tell them, I said, don't be picky with your first job, you know, just take the, now if you've got options, well then be picky within those jobs. Yep. Who, who's going to be the boss that I can, or who's going to be the person I can go work for. that's going to help me the most. It's not necessarily the sexiest team. Um, it's not the, you know, whoever the New England Patriots, you know, back right, in the day, right. Golden State, or, you know, it, you might learn more by going to work for, um, you know, the Houston Dynamo, for yeah. instance, you know, yeah. and even though it's, you know, you want to win a ring, you want to do all these things, but I just tell people, go work for the person that's going to help you the most. It doesn't matter where that is. It, and sometimes it doesn't even matter if it's a full-time job compared to a, a one-year job. I mean, just go where you think that person's going to help you because if you do well there, they'll help you get a job. They're not going to let you walk away with nothing. They're just not. And it um, starts and stops with people. And we've talked a lot about this with guests on the 52 Weeks of Hustle. Just, you know, people are the ones that lead. Everything else kind of follows. Yeah, and, absolutely. It's, it's tough. but uh, And it's really hard. But, you know, take whatever opportunity you get and, and run with it. And so, Marty, back to the beginning for you, you mentioned you know, a couple of times trying to get back closer to home. You grew up in Albany, Georgia. Your family owned a shoe business. So tell us, how involved were you with that shoe business? And was that really the, that good business experience that solidified your career choice? You know, it was. I mean, I, you know, growing up in a smaller town, I guess, in Georgia, I mean, it's under 100,000 people, but it's, it, it's a decent sized city. You know, it's not Atlanta uh, by right. any means, but you know, we didn't really have professional sports. We, I mean, we had some minor league baseball teams that came through while I was growing up. Um, but yeah, I think working for my parents uh, taught me a lot of things. I mean, one, just being in a, in a store, a retail store, you know, you're dealing with people face to face. 
Um, you're out on the floor, you're trying to sell shoes, right? I mean, people are coming in, they don't really know what they want. So you're asking them a lot of questions and then, you know, you take their information and what they say, and then you kind of direct them in the right, uh, into the right, you know, shoe. And in my case now a ticket package, right. Um, you know, but you need to know what's the difference between one and the other and, and what the benefits are. And if there's any type of return policy, all, all the same things that go into ticket sales, it's just, it's just shoes, um, you know, instead. Absolutely. So I really got an opportunity to do that. And then with it being your family business, you're always going to be a little more, um, you know, detailed and you're, you're going to care more, right? This is yep. your family. Um, so I think I, I've taken a lot of that and, and tried to use it with whatever, wherever I'm working. I mean, yes, I don't own the blue jackets. I don't, I don't, I didn't own the predators. I didn't own any of the teams I yep. work for. My parents don't own the team. My grandparents don't own the team, but I just have always felt like if you take that attitude and you try, treat things like it is your parents' business, you'll, you'll always make the right decisions. Yeah. So running your own that's business. That's really where that's helped me. Now, has there ever been a, a chance or a thought in your mind that you would ultimately go back and, and run the shoe business? For sure. Um, you know, I'm actually the only one in my family that didn't get into the shoe business. Uh, my yeah. brothers are both involved. My mom and dad are still involved. Um, one of my aunts is working there as well. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's been there since 1962. I mean, it's almost 60 years old. So my yeah. great grandfather started it and my grandfather blew it up and made it a little bit better. And then he passed it on to my parents. And then now yeah. it's gotten bigger and my brothers are, are involved. So, but one thing my parents told me, you know, back when I was in high school is they said, Hey, if this, if this isn't what you want to do, we don't want you to do it. Like go do what you want to do. Um, it's always going to be here for you if you want it, but we're not going to, we're not going to guilt you into staying. We're not, hey, my dad said, Hey, if the mommy and dad, if the three of you guys want to go off and do something different, we'll, we'll, we'll run this thing until we're tired of it and we'll sell it and we'll move on. So nice. that, that really helps. Yeah. Right. Cause you never really felt that pressure, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been times when I felt like maybe I sh should go back and <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. just being the experience I have and the, you know, maybe I could help, but um, my dad, he wouldn't even let me at this point. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it's always great to have this sports system and, and to their point, you know, your parents telling you do what you're passionate about, which is obviously sports, which we'll dive into. So you know, after high school, you move to Florida, you go to Florida Atlantic University, you receive your bachelor's in communication. So what experiences in college really helped ensure that, you know what, I made the right decision to get into sports? Well, I mean, when I was in school, so when I got, um, when I moved to Florida to go to school, I got the job at the Sun Sentinel almost at the same time. So I thought I wanted to be a beat writer. That was really what I thought I wanted to be. I thought it would be cool to go and cover a team and try to get to travel the U.S. and go to, I mean, I figured what would be better than going to 160 baseball games a year, 180 yeah. basketball games, 80 hockey, whatever it might have been. Um, you know, as I, as I was in school and I was working towards my degree, but then also covering sports at, at the Sentinel, uh, my roommate at the time, um, who's actually a big time beat writer in the NHL now, Michael Russo, um, he was my roommate. He covers the Minnesota wild for the athletic. Um, now he, uh, he became a beat writer while we were in college together. Okay. And I, I really saw like the life of a beat writer and I was like, wow, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm like, not sure that's for me pens and needles all the time, you know, like yep. what's going on. He's travel, he's traveling, you know, half the year. And I was like, wow, like that seems really cool, but I want to have a wife. I want to have kids. It doesn't mean you can't have a wife and kids if you're a beat writer, obviously right. people do, but you know, I just, I didn't really want to be gone that much. I didn't. Um, so for me, I said, you know what, maybe it'd be better to work for a team. Yep. Um, so then when I graduated school, I still worked at the Sun Sentinel throughout college. 
Uh, and when I graduated, I, um, I decided to go to the, you know, to send out all those resumes and then go yep. to the winter meetings to, to just work directly for a team. So that was, that's kind of what I did. And it, that's where I'm at. So, you know, and kind of going back to that, you know, I, I made the number a couple of times, 150, you know, and that was, you know, for the listeners out there that maybe are trying to get in the business or just recently got in the business where you can kind of copy and paste and plug away on a, a mail merge for emails. Those are probably all letters, right? Handwritten resumes. Well, they, yeah, and they letters. Yeah, I, I remember like it was yesterday, I was printing, printing out all the resumes. I had to go buy envelopes. I had to buy stamps. I, I actually went, people are really going to laugh, but I literally went to a bookstore and I bought a book of minor league baseball teams. Like that's how I got the addresses. Yep. Um, and my parents said, Hey, if you want to do this, this is cool, but like you're paying for it. It wasn't because they didn't want to pay for it or they right. couldn't afford to pay for it. They just said, Hey, it's going to mean a lot more to you if you pay for it. If you, um, yep, I also paid out. my way to the baseball winter meetings that year too. So yeah. Um, you know, I went there and I was serious, right? I'm like, I got to get a job. You and invested I, in yourself. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I printed resumes out. I mean, I bought, you know, envelopes and stamps and I, I mailed out 150 resumes. That's awesome. It was, it was, it was funny. That, that's was, awesome. We well, you know, already back to, you know, you were working at the Carolina Mudcats. You go to the baseball winter meetings. We heard your story between Savannah and Pensacola. You end up in Pensacola with the ice pilots of the ECHL and while there, you're also part of the team that helped launch an arena football team. So as you think back, that was kind of your first time as, as selling tickets, selling for a, a hockey team in Florida, a brand new arena football team. What are some key learnings you learned from that that you still apply to your day? Well, you know, when I started there, I mean, I, I truly just had no idea what I was doing. I mean, none. Like I had no training. Uh, you know, I mean, they're minor league sports, at least back then. There was maybe seven people working in the office, you know, a couple ticket sales reps that had been there for four or five years. Um, They basically just said, hey, man, here's here's a list of people to call and call. So, I mean, you really kind of had to figure it out. I mean, those they they were helpful to me. But I mean, you know, when I look back on it today and all the training that we provide and all the business intelligence and the lead distributions. And I mean, it just wasn't like that. So, but I think learning the other way, it it really taught me maybe how to look for my own leads, um, how to, how to dig and how to, how to get out and meet people. Cause that was really what I had to do. And I was still in minor league sports. Now I didn't know the difference between minor league and major league sports at that time, because I'd never worked for a major league team. So, so all I knew was, you know, $15 tickets in the lower bowl to an ECHL hockey team in Pensacola, Florida. That's all yeah. I knew. <laughs> right. I did that for two years. So I think it's always nice if you can get that experience first as you build yep. your way up. I'm not saying that everybody should have to do that, but it, it definitely doesn't hurt you to do that. Yeah. So what, what is your advice? You know, after two years selling there in Pensacola, you move a little bit further south in Florida and start as a senior AE with the Florida Panthers of the NHL. And so what's your advice to listeners that have either interned or spent time in the minor leagues and they want to transition into selling professional sports? Yeah, well, I love hiring minor league people. Um, I love it because I know they're not afraid of the hours. I know they're not afraid of kind of the, the grind and the tediousness of what the job can be. Um, you know, they're not, if, if they go through that and they still want to do it, then they're probably going to be good at what they're right. doing. Right. Yep. So, They've got a passion for that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, going from minor league to major league, major league sports. Um, it's, it's, it's really pretty similar, right? I mean, you're still selling season tickets. You're still selling hockey or baseball or basketball or baseball or, or football or whatever. Um, <clears throat> the tickets just cost a lot more. Right. No, yep. So you are dealing with a little bit different level. I mean, you're going from selling a $500 season ticket to a, 
$15,000 season ticket, you know? Yeah. And that was my biggest kind of shocking point, I think, when I first got to the Panthers, uh, only because I got there right as we were finishing up renewals and about to go into the season. I think I started in August, so we were leading into the season, and I was I was calling these people, and I was talking to them about, like, $12,000 season tickets, fourteen thousand, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so much money that people are spending on tickets. Um, but, you know, but the job itself is similar. I mean, you have more resources. Right. So your job does get a little bit easier. Like no one ever came to me when I was working for the Panthers and said, Hey, Marty, we need you to go help uh, put the dashboards out. Yep. Like I got in Pensacola. Right. No one ever that, came to me and said, you know, in the equivalent of Marty, we need you to help us put the tarp out on the tarp, field. Yeah. That or never be the happened. mascot. Um, you know, you, you, you really, you're at that level, your job becomes way more focused on, on just what your job is. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you don't have to jump in and help out, you know, in other departments when they need help. But for the most part, you're doing your job when you're, when you're at that level. So, you know, and along those lines, Marty, you're doing your job and you're having a lot of success as selling now the Florida Panthers, you decide you want to get into leadership, which we'll get into your first leadership opportunity, but why was leadership important to you? Well, I just felt like, you know, I've always enjoyed talking, helping other people. You know, I think that's, uh, that's what I've always enjoyed. And, um, you know, I think whenever you start in sports or any job, you eventually, you want to move up. You yep. know, so after being an AE in the minors for two years and then being an AE at the Panthers for two years, um, you know, the next step, I felt like I was ready to, to take the next step uh, to being a manager. And I got, I got, I was fortunate. I had a, a person that I worked with in Pensacola that actually got the VP of sales job uh, with the Marlins. And he called me and said, Hey, I know you're down here. I'd love to talk to you about this manager, uh, group sales manager position. And um, so I had a little bit of a head start because yeah. I, I knew the person that was hiring the role, but. Um, but that, that to me, I look back on my experience with him previously and he trusted me and he knew I was a hard worker and he knew I was going to do what was right. And he felt comfortable bringing me over. But, but to get back to your question, I mean, I, I think I've just always enjoyed that. I still enjoy it. I mean, I, I sit in on all of our interviews right now, even when we're hiring our itchy level people, um, yep. our people that are 22 that are just coming in. <clears throat> I always make, make a point to walk through the office two or three times during the day and yep. chat with people and just see what's going on. And, Yes, I'm the vice president of sales and they're a ticket sales consultant at the, at the lowest level that you can be within our team. But at the end of the day, our goal is the same and it's to fill the building. And I have different I have different meetings. I make different decisions. I sit in a different place. But at the end of the day, we're coworkers we're, and we're, yeah. in this, we're in the same boat. And I yeah. think I like to share that with it. So I like that part of it. I like helping. I like hopping in and, uh, and trying to help them make a sale or answer a question for them or go on an appointment with them or it's just always something I've enjoyed. And I think that's the key in what's shown, you know, you being successful leaders, being willing to invest in your people, like regardless of role, you're invested in them and their career and their development. And you talked about you in your first leadership job, you get to go to the then Florida Marlins as the group sales manager. Your first year, the team wins the 2003 World Series. So how was that experience for you? Yeah, that was, I mean, you know, there's no way to describe it. I mean, it was amazing. You know, I mean, going into that season, I thought we'd have a pretty good team. Um, I thought maybe we had a shot to make the playoffs, um, but uh, it, it was just amazing. I mean, I, I I just wish every person that works in sports could at least do it one, or at least even if you don't win it, just get there, just, just be get part to of the it. World Series, get to the Stanley Cup Final, get yep. to the NBA Finals, whatever. Um, it's just it's so fun. Um, and it just makes everything that you do kind of, it's, it's why you work in sports, right. Yep. Is to be able to do something really, really exciting like that. You know, the bond you kind of create with your coworkers through a, 
play through a uh, scenario like that is just incredible. And, you know, I still remember sitting there and, and, and we, Josh Beckett tags uh, Jorge Posada for the last out. And I'm kind of like, Oh my God, we just won the whole series. <laughs> what just <laughs> happened? Yeah. And then it's just, you know, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you, you, you're in Florida, you know, yeah. I mean, people down there were so excited and the parade and the, you know, just being, getting to be a part of all that. And then when you think back and you're like, wow, man, this is my job. Yep. Like, this is what I get paid yeah, to this be. This I'm getting paid of. to do. Like, this is amazing. And, you know, I got the opportunity to, to get all the way to the Stanley cup final with the predators in 2017. And we didn't win. Um, but still, I mean, the experience of going that far is just, it's just amazing. I mean, it's terrible when you lose, but you're kind of like, wow, like what, how incredible was, was that? Just was a, what a run. Well, I yeah. always ask our guests to have the privilege of winning a ring. Do you ever wear it? I, every once in a while, I'll break it out. Um, I should have brought it today uh, to work, but you know what happens is I, it's so big that I like sit it on my desk you know, when I'm typing yep. and then I end up walking away from my desk. So I go to lunch and then I panic because then, I left it just sitting on my desk. Right. What's going to happen? Someone in the office is going to steal it, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't want to, but no, I do every once in a while I wear it. It's um, it, it, I look at it. So I just go in there and look at it sometimes. And I'm yeah. like, wow, I can't believe such I a cool experience. It. Like this is uh, amazing. So, yeah. Well, now many of the sports fans, you know, certainly diehard baseball fans know that after the 2003 World Series, the team kind of gets blown up. So you're now selling for your next four years there with a decimated team. And, you know, really the, the one of the, the big things I want to talk about is during your time there, you and your team thought big, you know, and that was the key in group sales and certainly in, in general, creating a University of Miami night at the ballpark, which is still going on and a huge success does over 20,000 group seats per game. So as you think back to that time of, Again, just thinking big, what's your advice to listeners on being able to think big, regardless of what they're selling or what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, you just, it sounds easy, but I mean, you just assume that you can make this into whatever you want. Um, you know, that University of Miami group started out as just a conversation at a game with a person from University of Miami. And, you know, he had an idea of, hey, we wanted, we're thinking about maybe doing an employee night and we were kind of like, well, how do we get the whole school involved? And he's like, well, let's start out a little bit smaller. And, and we did. And it took a couple of years to get to that 20,000 number. But um, we just that was always our goal uh, was to get the whole school involved. And and if we had never reached that goal, then that's that's fine. Um, but that was still our goal right. um, was to get there. And I just think in group sales or in season ticket sales or I mean, I, I feel like you always, it really depends on what you're selling. I mean, if you're selling a season tickets, you, you really want to sell what you think the person can use and then you grow them from there. Yep. If you try to sell them too much, they're either not going to trust you or they're going to buy it and then they're not going to use it and then they're not going to renew. So yes. it's, you've got to kind of figure that out. But on the group side of things, I think you, you know, I, I remember we created a, um, like a men's hockey, I went to my, one of my guys that ran our, one of our hockey facilities in Nashville. And I said, Hey, I want to start a men's hockey tournament. Um, and he goes, okay. And I said, uh, yeah, we want to do that. We want to include tickets in the game, you know, tickets to the Preds game that weekend. And this thing's going to sell us a thousand group tickets. But I said, but most of the work's going to be on you <laughs> basically, <Yep. laughs> but it was going to be good for us too, because it was going to right. fill ice time in the in Fort ice center. It was going to do all these great things. But I said, listen, the goal of this program is to build this tournament to where it's literally the number one men's hockey tournament in the country. This is adult, like adult yep. league hockey. Right. And I want the championship game to be so big that NHL Network picks it up and runs it on NHL Network. 
Yeah. And he laughed. And I said, I'm serious. That's why you got to think. I want this thing to be so big. I want this to become the biggest and best tournament in the United States to where literally this thing is on NHL network, the final four or the final game. And he's like, all right, you know, and I, we, we, ne- we didn't get to that point, but, but that was the goal right? Yep. Was to do it was to make it that big and have um, that stretch goal. Right. So who knows if we would have ever gotten there? I don't know, but that was the goal, you know, and I just think you always have this huge goal out there of what you're going to do. And if you fall a little bit short, I mean, my president at the, at the Predators, Sean Henry used to always tell us, he goes, look, we're going to, we're going to set some wild goals and we may not hit them always, but if we set these wild goals and we strive to achieve these wild goal, wild goals, while we may not hit them, we're probably going to do better than we would have. Yep. And I've just kind of always remembered that. And uh, I think he's right. You know, so, I mean, you don't want to say, Hey, we're going to sell, you know, 60,000 tickets and you sell 15, you know what I mean? But right, you know, right. within, re- it's somewhat within reason. reason. Right. So I've, I've kind of always thought about when he said that. And I just, I think about that all the time. And I share that message with other people that I work with. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Marty Mulford, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, Marty, after five and a half years at the Marlins and your entire career up to that point in the state of Florida, you make the move to Nashville to work for the Predators. Why was that the right move for you? I think for me, it was it was it was a couple different things. One, it was a family move. Um, you know, I had gotten married while I was at the Marlins um, or while well, actually at the Panthers about to go to the Marlins. Um, I had two kids by then. I had a good friend of mine that worked with me at the Panthers that had gone up to Nashville and he and I kept in touch and a pos- the right position opened. It was director of ticket sales. Um, and, uh, and I got the opportunity and we moved up there. Um, it, for me, it was about, it was about both. It was about the job and about my family. Not that South Florida is not a, not a great place to raise your family, but when you combine the two things, uh, Nashville was a lot more like what I was used to growing up. Um, now my wife had grown up in Fort Lauderdale and was originally from South America. So f- pulling her out of there was actually my biggest sales job. As you say, that's uh, a big sale. But yeah, and now I've got her in Ohio. So I'm not sure how I've <laughs> not sure how I've accomplished. You're a hell of a salesperson. I guess so. Uh, but that was really it. But but a lot of it was the job. You know, I, I was getting as I was the group sales manager, you know, I was a rep for four years and I was group sales manager for six, uh, five and a half, six at the Marlins. And I, I I wanted to make sure that I wasn't kind of digging myself a hole to where people just thought I was a group guy. 
you know, and I started to hear that a little bit as I would go on interviews. It's like, well, you've never really sold. You never led a season ticket department. So that was another kind of idea for me was to like go and get this other experience. Now, I didn't do Did I think I'd be in Nashville 11 years. No, I didn't. I thought I'd be here a much shorter time because I also for my family, I I didn't want my kids to have like six hometowns growing up. I wanted to kind of get them to where, okay, I can move somewhere and then they'll graduate from high school in the city. So when we moved from Nashville to here, that was a big, big part of it. And um, so that's where I thought we would be there for three or four years. Then we'd move and then we'd be in the next spot for like 10 years. Yep. That's not how it worked out. I was going to say, looking back when you moved to Nashville, you probably never imagined you'd be there in the next 11 years, you know, with the the Predators. I I definitely never did. But you know what? I loved working there. I loved what we were about. I love what we had built. Um, So I I was completely happy there. Totally happy. Yeah. You know, and and while you're there, you're both the senior director of ticket sales and the senior director of service. And, you know, both the South Florida markets, the Nashville market, certainly known for tourists, certainly a tough sell. And, you know, in there in Nashville, you're a part of a team that reached 150 sellouts. The service team was ranked number one in professional sorts uh, by the ESPN Ultimate Fan Standing. So what do you feel like you and the team members did on a consistent basis to have so much success? We always said yes. Yep. <laughs> that's it. Yep. I mean, that's it. I mean, that was what we that was what we did. I mean, we just said, hey, look, we're going to do whatever we got to do to make people happy. And it's all about how you say yes, um, that makes people feel good about the yes, yep. you know, yep. and if you have to say no, you need to have a solution, um, which turns it kind of to a semi yes, semi yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so when I got to Nashville, um, our base was much lower than it was when I left. Uh, right. And it certainly wasn't because of me. I think it was our entire organization just had the mindset of we're going to take care of we're going to take care of whatever we got to take care of and to make yep. people happy. And obviously when the team got better and started to improve all of those things that I think we had done with keeping fans happy, then the team started doing their thing and then it just exploded. Right. And then that's when we started rolling, you know, these sellouts and, you know, we, we made the Stanley cup final in 2017, but what a lot of people don't know, we had actually, that was actually our second consecutive season of selling out. We had actually sold out the year before that and that year, and right. then the next two years. So even prior two. to so it, yep. A lot of people think, well, well you, sold, you made the final, so of course you sold out. Well, no, no, that was our second. We were completing our second season. You'd already done it. So we, we were already in a really good spot when that happened. Um, now, obviously, that made it even way easier uh, because we had a lot less yep. individual tickets to sell and things like that. But I, I think it was just that attitude of, like, we're just going to take care of whatever you need. Yep. And, yep. um I think the fans started to understand that. And when something would go wrong and it didn't go their way, they'd call us and say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't very predators. Like you guys usually take care of this for us. And, and we would. And I think the continuity of the staff too, we had a lot of staff there that have been there a long time. Um, and I think that helps too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Marty, many times in this business, we, we talk about being efficient, but also invest in yourself, even during some of those tough times. And you did just that, you know, as when the NHL lockout happened in the 2012 and 13 season, you decided to write a book, the sports industry fast pass. So tell the listeners a little bit more about it. And why'd you decide to write it? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I love what I do. I've been doing it for 24, 25 years. And I, I love it. I mean, I, I get excited on game days. Um, I love when we hire new staff. I love selling season tickets. I mean, I love it. Um, yep. There's certainly parts of your job that you don't, 
you know, that you don't like, but any, you know, that, that aren't your most fun parts of your job, you know, but you got to do them. Um, so anyway, I just, I, I went down to a career fair in Atlanta with the Falcons and I spoke to probably a hundred students uh, over the course of two different sessions and not one of them wanted to work in ticket sales. <laughs> Sounds and it was about right. Really, <clears throat> so I was driving back from Atlanta and I was like, there's gotta be something out there that like someone needs to talk to these people. Nope. Because after you talk to them and they understand how important it is and, and, and that it's really just about getting in, then it usually changes their mind a little bit, right. you know, because now they're hearing it directly from the person that's hiring them. Yep. Um, so, I, yep. so I had a, a professor um, friend at Middle Tennessee State University. I went to lunch with him during the lockout. I said, he's an ideas guy. Like he's always trying to figure stuff out. So I told him about this thing that I wanted to do. And he's like, I have the perfect format for you to do this. Um, so basically what it is, is it's, it's nine chapters. They're little eight to nine minute chapters and each one touches on a certain part. And a lot of it's about networking and getting yourself into position to get a job when you get out of school. Um, so like the first chapter is, do I shoot or pass? It's like, do I make, do I want to work in sports or do I not? Yep. And if I do, I need to be willing to do whatever I got to do. And if I don't, that's cool too. Go do something else. Don't waste your time. Um, so that's really what the book's about. I work with a couple of universities that use it as part of their class, their curriculum. Yep. It's a lot. It's something I enjoy. I do not make, I, I mean, I, I make like $2 a book when I sell right. one. I mean, it's not, it's nothing. That's not what it's about for me. Yep. Um, it's about getting it in the hands. So when I get, when I work with these schools and I, and I usually will do a, a, a Zoom call like this at the end of the semester to answer questions and just make a yep. connection. Um I, I love that because they'll usually, I usually will get three or four emails a semester from somebody going, wow, I never really considered that, but I totally get it. And I actually just got an internship at X team yeah. in the sales department. And I said, you don't have to always do sales. Like, I, I mean, but you got to get a job, you got to get started. Right. And none of you guys even want to do tickets. So, so you're not even interviewing for these jobs. So it's the only job within the team that's really entry level. But, but I also was trying to explain to people that you're not network. If, if Travis, if I didn't know you and I met you at a career fair, we exchange cards. I don't really know you. You right. don't really know me. Yep. You know, you're networked with someone when they'll vouch for you. Yep. That's when, you're yep. when they're willing to pick up the phone and call. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, um, and absolutely. Uh, but then they get out of school and they start sending out resumes and they're not getting a call back and they're wondering what's up. And, and you've why. already wasted four years of while you're in school. So that's what the book's really there to do is to help yeah. you be in a position to get a job at the end. And it was a lot of fun doing it. I need to do like another version of it probably because there's so much more stuff I'd love to add into it now. Yep. I've just learned since, I mean, that was eight years ago when I created right. it. But all of those things still apply today. They still apply. And, you know, after Marty, after just going through a similar process with a book, I know how hard it is. It grinds. So on the, on behalf of everyone, thank you for giving back. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah. And, and, and Marty, you know, leading up to now, you, you moved to Columbus just under three years ago to become the vice president of ticket sales and service there for the Blue Jackets. You had just been in Nashville for 11 years. Why was that the right move for you? I, I, I this was more of a, a career move, probably, um, you know, just strictly. I mean, obviously, my family was a massive, massive part of me taking this opportunity. It kind of came out of nowhere, um, you know, where I got a call from my now boss and he said, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this this job. He actually called the Predators first. They're the ones that told me about it. OK, um, which, again, is another reason why, you know, you're working in a great place when they're like, hey, we don't want to lose you, but 
this is this too is, good of an opportunity. This could be a good opportunity. To tell you about. Um, so I discussed it with my wife for hours. Um, um, I did the interview. Um, they wanted me to fly up. So I flew up on a Friday. My wife flew up on a Saturday um, just to spend the weekend up here. It snowed eight inches uh, the day she got here. Um, that was not the best thing. Like, Honey, this is where we're going to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it was a big thing for my kids. Like I, my daughter was going into high school. My son was going into seventh grade. And I'm like, do I really want to move these guys right now? Is it really worth it? You know, and I think at the end of the day, my wife's like, look, this is what you've been working your whole career for, right? Is to have this job, be a vice president, run your own department. And I think as far as the city goes, Columbus was just the perfect fit. I, I don't know if there could have been a better fit than Columbus for me um, and the type of city I want to live in, the type of market, um, you know, the type of team, beautiful arena, manage, upper manager, like people above me have been here for 15 years. Um, it was just the perfect, perfect fit at the, probably at the perfect time. Um, and that's really what made me do it. And, I, and I've loved it. I've enjoyed it. I mean, there's been some, some pain and some, some days that honestly I went home and said, man, I don't know if this, I don't know if I can do this job. Like right. there's a lot of stuff I'm dealing with right now that I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, you yeah. know, but, but the more I've gotten to know my, my boss and the more I've talked to friends of mine, they're like, look, you're not supposed to know everything. Right. That's the whole point. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. You've been doing this a long time, but there were some days at the beginning that I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. This is a lot of stuff. You know, you, I mean, you've been in my role. I mean, you, you know, and it's a lot of stress and a lot of sleepless nights. And, um, but you know what? I, I love kind of, I love it. And I think I try to always go back to that attitude of, of we're all in this thing together. Yes, I'm a VP, you're a director, but man, we're battle, we're fighting the same fights here. So let, yeah. let's go get them together and uh, and let's do this thing. So well, being born and raised in, in Ohio, I certainly know Columbus certainly a sports market, but a ton of competition as well. So how are you and the team differentiating yourself, you know, kind of in that space in the entertainment, whether it be discretionary income or, or business entertainment dollars? Yeah, there is a lot going on here. I think Columbus is such an underrated city. Um, I didn't really know that until I got here. Um, but I'm like, wow, this place is awesome. Like, I, cause I think people always just associate it with Ohio state. Right. Um, and that's it. And yes, they are a, they are a beast, yep. right? I mean, they're like an NFL team, uh, in your backyard. And, um, and we already got two NFL teams in the state. In the plus state, Ohio yeah. state. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, the Columbus crew just built a brand new, awesome yep. stadium. It's literally right down the street. Um, so we've got that going on. Um, you know, it's just, it's a different sport, right? I mean, this, our team is, this is our 21st year being here. So we've been here for a little while now. We had a little bit of success making the playoffs four out of the last five years. That helped, right? Yep. Kind of create a buzz. We, we knocked off the biggest upset in NHL history is what people say, right? When we right. beat Tampa, um, we swept them. That was, I'd been here two months when that happened. So I thought maybe I was the missing piece Yeah, yeah. when I got here, but um I think we just, it, it's kind of going back to that attitude of like, you know, why we were successful in Nashville is just treating our customers the right way, making it easy for them to be a fan and easy for them to be a season ticket holder. And more importantly, just trusting us that, Hey, I'm going to spend 5,000 hours with these guys, but I know that if something goes wrong, they're going to take care of it for me. Yep. And I think getting that attitude. And then on, on top of that, we put on a great show. I mean, right. it, hockey's entertainment value. The building's beautiful. Our game entertainment's awesome. Uh, our food here is great. The whole arena district is, is cool. Um, yep. It's a good time, you know, and, but I mean, 
we do have other sports, right? I mean, I, I think a lot of people here feel like, or at least what I've found when I first got here was that you had to be either a Blue Jackets or an Ohio State fan. I'm like, no, no, you can be both. I promise yeah. you. We want you to be both. We want all the teams to be good in the city. Everything gets better when everybody's good. I mean, the crew won the championship last year. Ohio State played for the championship last year. You know, we missed the playoffs, unfortunately, but we had had some success before that. And even the Clippers won the championship two years, the last baseball yep. season they played. So, you know, in a way, we, we, we've we had a lot of success here with uh, with our sports teams, and it, it'll only make everybody better. So we'll see. We, we, sh- we shook up our roster a little bit this year. We'll see how things go. And um, but at the end of the day, I just feel like if we take care of our people the right way, we got a shot at keeping them, whether our yep. teams, whether our team's good or bad. And that's what we, that's what we want. Yeah. And that's the only thing you can control. Well, Marty, you've certainly had a great career, a fun journey to walk through. As you look back, what's been your best memory? Oh man, I've had so many. Um, it's just as a sports fan, you know, you just, I mean, this is the heaven, right? I mean, you're yep. working for a professional sports teams. I mean, I think when we made the Stanley Cup final was was amazing. Just that moment when we knew we were in, you know, yeah. it was just the last like few minutes of the game going, oh, my God, we're going to the Stanley Cup final. The Here same we when, we, when we made it to the World Series, when we beat the Cubs. I don't know. A lot of people probably recall that series, but we were down three games to one in the NLCS. And we came back, we won game five. Then the whole Bartman thing happened. Bartman, in game six, yep. And then we won game seven um, on the road. And it was just like holy smokes like we're going to the world series and we're playing the yankees which you know if you're going to win the world series you want to beat the yankees right Right. i mean that's just what you want to do and then we beat them at yankee stadium where we all got to go and then we got to run around the field for an hour after the game that was pretty cool um but i think just i think i've told people this my 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 whole dream and goal was to i told my mom this when i was like 20 or whatever that my whole goal was just to work for a team whose highlights are on ESPN. That's all I want to do. And, and I've done that and more. I, I, I reached that goal um, pretty, you know, after a few years. And uh, um, there's just so many memories. I, I think it's the people you work with. It's, it's all the games you go to those, those thrilling moments, but then there's crushing defeats too, yeah. right? If you lose and, and then you got to wait two days to play again, or you got to wait a whole off season to play again. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just amazing though. It's so much fun. And like, like I said, there's, there's parts of the job that are, that are like, eh, I don't really like that. Or you got an upset fan or you got, yeah, I don't know. You just, something's hard, right? right? You don't want to do it. Um, but, um, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, I, I walk through the arena every day. I walk out, I look at the ice, I walk into my office. I got sports pictures all over. I mean, this is my, one of my meeting rooms. Uh, we got, highlights and TVs and I got yeah. our general managers sitting right outside our room, probably waiting to come in here for something. <laughs> um, I pass Rick Nash in the hallway almost every day. And he says, what's up, Marty? Like, that's pretty cool. Like yeah, yeah. He's the number one pick in the draft, you know, and I'm, I've been doing this 24 years and that's still, that's still cool. Uh, that's, you know, yep. that Rick Nash knows my name, you know, so absolutely, um, it's, it's cool. So many, so many memories. And then getting to take my kids to do stuff too, because yep. of, the people you know and the people you've met. And I took my son to a Falcons game right before we we moved up here that season before and got to go down on the field and watch. You know, I didn't tell him everything's a secret when I do stuff like that for him. And um he just that he's the lucky one, right? Yeah. I mean right, right. He doesn't even realize it yet. 
he's like, what? We don't, we don't get to go on the field. Like what's going <laughs> on, dad? You know, I'm not it's going, fun. I'm not going to sit with Gen pop. <laughs> right. So it's just That's so many, quick. so many. And I'm sure yeah. you could agree. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. It's just so many, so many awesome things. And, and, and the people, just the, the awesome people you meet along the way yeah. too. So. Well, this has been great. Certainly great to hear from advice for someone that took some early risk, you know, that we talked about, but ended up having a very successful career. I really appreciate all your advice and insight. So to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I don't know. We'll <laughs> if you were a wrestler, what would be your entrance theme song? Have to be Pitbull. I love Pitbull. That's from my days down in South Mr. Florida. 305. Yeah. Pitbull. Absolutely. What does your favorite shirt look like? Ah, uh, well, I, I have a, I have an Atlanta Falcons t-shirt that I got probably when I was 20. Um, and it's, it just says Atlanta Falcons on it, but I've literally had this thing forever, forever. My wife and kids won't let me wear it anywhere because it's got about 400 holes in it. So I can pretty much just sleep in it. I think my wife's tried to get rid of it several times, You've been but able to rescue it. Yeah. I can't really wear it outside the house because <laughs> I don't have the physique really to do that but um but that that would probably be it I, yeah it's my favorite shirt memories nowhere no i cannot wear it anywhere except for in my house if you have one call to make for advice who are you calling that's an easy one my bill makers bill was my um my boss at the marlins i worked with him for two years uh i learned more from bill than than i have i've learned a lot of really awesome things from all my all my bosses and all my team presidents and everybody but you know what I think what what Bill taught me or what 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 I learned from Bill and I think that's it, been the, is how to treat people yep. and how to treat your staff and and take time with your staff and don't don't look the other way when they're in your office talking to you you know right. look at them and get to know them as people and they will work hard for you if you do that and I've always remembered that but then he he's also I mean he's a 25 30 year veteran in the business too so yep. if I need to call him about a ticket plan question he can answer that too he but, can answer it but he's not only is he one of my best friends now he just he he he's the guy I'd call 100% nice well to close it out what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day well i, I think it's i touched on it a little bit before um, and it's just you, you've got to get in the game right? You can't be too picky. I've talked to too many people that say, well, I only want to live in Phoenix. I only want to live in Atlanta. I only want to live in Orlando. Well, you're just doesn't mean you won't get a job in those cities. Maybe you will. Um, but you, you, if you wait too long, you'll, you'll miss the boat. You'll miss um, out. So just take the first opportunity or the, whatever, the first best opportunity. Um, the worst thing that ever happens when you do that, and this is what I told my wife when we moved to Columbus, I said, if we get up there and we absolutely hate it, it's like the worst place ever. I hate the job. You hate living here. The kids hate it. We put our house up for sale and we pack our stuff and we move back to Nashville. And you can move. That's, yep. That's the worst thing that's going to happen. So I tell people, if you have to move to Texas or to Arizona or to wherever for your first job, that's the worst thing that's going to happen is you get out yep. there and you don't like it, but you're still going to get a great experience. experience. So that's one thing. Then I think number two is just be, be patient when you get into your job. I promise you, you're not going to learn the whole thing. You're not going to master your position in six months. Nope. It's just not going to happen. You might master it after a couple of years, um, but it's going to take you a season or two at least to get there. Um, and, and, and I think people get antsy and they're like, I should be moving up and I should be doing all these things. And, um, and, and you maybe you think that, but, but if you get moved up too quick, you're really putting yourself in a tough spot. 
right, to, to, to do that. And um, so that's kind of the number two thing. And then the third thing is just enjoy it, right? Enjoy, enjoy the job. I'm mean, working for a sports team. Um, I mean, man, right. life could be a lot worse, you know? I mean, there is a lot of stuff going on out there that is not fun stuff. Right. And and it's affecting us too. Right. It's affecting our livelihood and our business and our fans and everybody. But we're, but we're, we're still, we're still working for a sports team. I'm doing exactly what I always wanted to do. Always from when I was in high school, I said, I either want to be a major league baseball player or I want to work for a team. The baseball player thing didn't really work out for me. Um, You found a way, but I got in and, um, it, it was probably the first thing in my life that I had really done 100% on my own. Like my parents couldn't help me. Right. right. What do they, who do they, who yeah. do they, know? they don't know anybody that works for a sports team. You know, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just really, it, it's those three things I think are really, really important. And um, just try to capture whatever you can and whatever I, I've always taken a, and I'm sure you did the same thing is you always take an interest in everyone's role within the team. Um, and, and, but you can't do any of that if you're not working with the team. Right. Right. So yeah, you've got to get a job with the team first, you know? Yeah. And I just think, you know, that's just the biggest thing I tell people is just don't be too picky. Just get yeah. in there and get going. Yeah. I love you can, it. You can be picky down the road. Yeah. I love it. Get in the game, roll up your sleeves, get after it. To your point of being patient, you know, you're not going to be an expert regardless of what role is right away. Continue to be coachable and have fun. Enjoy it. So I love it. Well, Marty, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career. Pleasure talking to you. And I really appreciate your time and expertise. Yeah, no problem, Travis. Happy to be here again. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.